Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. You will never guess who is off today. <laughs> it's not me. It's not Aidan. It's not Borky. Richard is off. He'll be back with us tomorrow. Welcome into Sports Talk Mississippi on a Tuesday. A busy, busy, busy Tuesday with you. We got a ton to talk about. Teddy Cahill will talk about our bad baseball. I mean, baseball uh, at the top of the four o'clock hour. Uh, excited to, to hear from him and. Get his take on what the heck happened this past weekend with Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss. One and eight this past weekend. I'm sorry to rub salt in the wound. I won't do that anymore. Nick Saban. Now, you should always use the words allegedly or appeared to, you know, as we've learned on this show, qualifiers generally are better than not. But I'm going to remove all that. Nick Saban took a shot at Nate Oates yesterday. Absolutely took a shot at the basketball coach on his campus yesterday. We'll play you the audio, and we'll talk about that coming up later. There's midweek baseball happening tonight. We'll talk about that. There's Sweet 16 coming up on Thursday. We didn't get to spend much time on the tournament yesterday. Naturally, three coaches, baseball, winners and losers, all that. Busy Monday. So we'll talk about that as well. A really fun tournament going on uh, right now. And uh, the Sweet 16 obviously set. So we'll talk about that as well. And whatever else comes up on the text line. If you want to be a part of the show, we'd love to have you. 601-879-4395. You can be like Jeff in Oxford who texts us and says, Where's old part-time? So, you know, be a part of the show. Do it safely. Don't text and drive. C Spire would love for you to be a part of our show. They appreciate that you're a part of our show, but they'd rather you do it safely. So don't text and drive. Use the voice text feature and be a part of the show with us. Again, I'm Borky. He's Hey Dad on a busy, busy Tuesday. How's that for two and a half minutes of show introduction? I feel I feel like I have a complete grasp of everything we're going to talk about today. And yet, I know there will be surprises. There will be surprises. I love how I don't wear a watch. I don't like having things on my wrist or hands or... I mean, like even longer. You don't like having hands bother me, but every time, like I reference the time, I fake look at a watch, and I, I'm never going to watch. I'm like, how's that for two and a half minutes? When nothing there. I don't know why I do that. It is a weird habit. I've never worn a watch. I don't wear watches. I would love to. I like them. I think they're cool. I like the way they look. They just bother me. 
And I always check my watch. I mean, you just had a birthday. You should ask for a watch. I should have. Next next year, you know. Uh, yeah, I uh, I guess so. But yeah, um, Greg, be nice. Be nice. We like Richard. We like him. We we like picking at him a little bit. That's all. But we appreciate yeah. you being a part of the show, Greg, uh, for sure. Let's start with something else, though. World Baseball Classic. I'm calling it Audible. I wanted to kind of start with Sweet 16, but, man, it feels like the sports world, at least in my circles, are kind of captivated by the World Baseball Classic. The ratings are good. The games have been good. USA made the championship. That is tonight. That's why we're bringing it up right now. It's been a lot of fun. And baseball, at that level, at the professional level, Hasn't been fun lately. In this event, this tournament has been that. You had an electric environment in Miami last night. Japan walked them off. You had Shohei, who's not going to start today, but he's going to pitch today uh, against the Americans, was part of the hero last night. I'm kind of digging this game tonight. I'm a bit of a front runner. If it wasn't USA, I I wouldn't be watching it. And I'd be lying to you if I said I've been locked into the entire thing. I'm watching tonight, though. This is one of those things where, you know, and I I talk about soccer with you sometimes, and, like, I don't really get into the men's national team because I know they're not as good as the best teams in the world, right? Right. But the American baseball team is as good as the best teams in the world. And this isn't even our best team. I mean, this isn't – we didn't send the MLB All-Stars that we could have sent – to this event because a lot of those guys just didn't want to play and then which whatever. So yeah, I mean this this is going to be great. Should be really good entertainment. It's been fun watching everybody dunk on everybody who uh came out against this after Edwin Diaz got hurt. And I mean there's some stuff in this that, you know, could make it exciting in the regular season. There's some lessons to be learned, I guess, you know. I mean, when you play 162 games, it's tough to, you know, Every game doesn't really mean everything. You know, uh, a, a random... Yeah, I mean, it might mean something at the end of the season if a pennant race goes one way or the other. But it, it's tough to get excited for a, you know, late May, early June, you know, game. So I, I don't know what lessons can be taken from it, but this has definitely been very exciting and, 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 and fun to watch. And on the bump tonight is your very typical, like, baseball movie story. Most of you, probably all of you, hand up, I didn't until I was reading about it earlier today, know who Merrill Kelly was. Does that name ring a bell to you? Probably not. I would be willing to bet 99.9% of our audience has no idea who Merrill Kelly is. Uh, He's pitching for USA Tonight. and He's 34 years old, and he's got one of those baseball stories. He got drafted by the Rays all the way back in 2010 and spent... 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, and 14, in the Rays organization, never pitched a major league inning. Never made it. These are the teams he played for during his time with the Rays. The Hudson Valley Renegades, the Bowling Green Hot Rods, the Charlotte Stone Crabs. If you're a Mississippi Braves fan, you're familiar with the Montgomery Biscuits. And he had some starts with the Durham Bulls. It didn't work out for him with the Tampa Bay Rays, so he had to play for the Korean Baseball League. He pitched four years in the Korean Baseball League for the SK Wyverns. I don't know what a Wyvern is. 
It may not even be their mascot. It, it might be like the city name. I don't know anything about the Korean Baseball League. But he pitched for years with the SKY Verns. And he pitched pretty well. He was 36-25 and 25 there, 3.8 ERA. Was a free agent after the 2018 season. So spent four years in the Korean Baseball League. And then gets picked up by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And he started pitching pretty well and pitching pretty well. And then last year was really good and uh, was a National League Pitcher of the Month last year at one point. He had a 15, he started the season last season with a 15 inning scoreless streak. And now he's on the bump for Team USA to win the World Baseball Classic tonight. I mean, what an atypical baseball story. That that we got a couple of uh, Mississippi ties there too. I mean, we've got Kendall Graveman and uh, Lance Lynn on this roster. How about that? Yeah. So and not really a Mississippi tie, but David Bednar is Will Bednar's brother. So oh, that's a tie. Yeah. I tell people all the time that the six degrees of separation becomes two if you have ties to Mississippi. Everybody, yeah, you know, has a tie to Mississippi. I, I mean, I, I've got friends that that I grew up with that, like, moved to New York City. And they're friends with somebody who, like, has a grandfather that lives in Vicksburg or something. Like, everybody, everything runs through this state one way or another. Everything ties right back here. It's um, it's weird like that. But I, I'm thrilled, man, about watching this game. I think that Major League Baseball, as you mentioned, it needs to find a way to take a page out of the playbook here. Uh, with the World Baseball Classic, because uh, I'll use the, this the, is sort of what soccer does too over in England, where they have these mid-season tournaments where even if you're out of the the chase for the title, the, the, the league title, you can still make a run in these tournaments, and and, and they're fun and they get excited. That's the word fun. Th- th- this is fun. I mean, I, I've been to Major League Baseball games, a lot of them, and, and it feels like I'm sitting at. A church and not a modern it church with a big band and, yeah. and all that stuff. It feels like you're sitting in the church that you didn't want to go to when you were growing up. Uh, I mean, it, it, they feel so lacking in energy. In the World Baseball Classic has been anything but. Take college baseball in this state, for example. Look, I, I know we're unique, and if the outfield thing didn't exist here, we would still have great attendance and great fan support, and people would care. But Ole Miss and Mississippi State have great crowds at baseball in part because it's not just a baseball game. It's fun. You've got these parties that are going on in the outfield that makes the atmospheres unique. The World Baseball Classic, the videos from Japan, for example, even last night in Miami with Mexico playing, it felt like it was a party. And that, that infectious energy spills into the players on the field. It, it spills into the viewers, even watching on television. I, I don't know how you do that with a 162-game season. But Major League Baseball could stand to, to take some notes on the World Baseball Classic. And you know what? Even from college baseball in places like Mississippi. Where, make it fun. Because, yes, baseball's great. We love it. It's America's pastime and a beautiful game and all that, but man, the the energy in college baseball and the energy in the World Baseball Classic is something that they need to try to replicate at the MLB level because it's tedious and boring sometimes, and it shouldn't be because the games are uh, are great.
Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you on this Tuesday afternoon. A couple of texts before we move on. Adam Monticello says, are people still whining about the World Baseball Classic? I, I see less and less of it. Uh, a lot of what I saw was German. Well, they realized that was an L take. They yeah. realized that's a, something that's going to get you made fun of, yeah. Apparently, there's a chance that this might be the most watched baseball game ever. Worldwide audience, of course, I mean, but ever. Yeah. More than any World Series. Again, worldwide audience. More than any... World Series. I don't know if domestically it's going to top your typical World Series numbers. I mean, they've been bad lately, and they're still eclipsing 10, 11 million. So uh, yeah. we'll see. It does kind of stand alone, though. I mean, I know we have baseball around here, but um, Arkansas State and Pine Bluff aren't exactly moving the needle. So I think a lot of our audience is going to be watching that game instead. Um, but yeah, it'll be. No, and a lot of it, Adam, was driven by that one. Mets fan that apparently has a ton of control of all of Barstool's accounts because he was everywhere telling everybody about how terrible the World Baseball Classic is because his favorite team's closer got hurt. Yeah. Did you see, by the way, they, them just, carrying his jersey around and like hanging it in the dugout yeah. and stuff? It's like, he didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's still alive, guys. It's we, have, okay. we have this 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 thing where people do that. They're like, you know... Somebody will break up, break tweak an ankle, and it's like we offer prayers up. Like he's not dead, <laughs> just he'll be back. He's sitting right there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it sucks that the Mets lose their closer. And I hated it for Puerto Rico not having their guy, but like they were doing an in memoriam. <laughs> I mean, I assume that he'll get some pretty decent medicine and he'll survive this. But anyway. Jeff says, when uh, the United States played Venezuela in Miami the other night, the players said it was like an away game. The place was majority Venezuelan, just like soccer for the national team. Sad. Yeah, and we're playing Mexico, for example, in soccer in Scottsdale coming up. And, and it's like, how stupid are you? No chance. I mean, go yeah. go to Columbus, Ohio yeah. and play those games. Uh, however, to, to wax poetic it's like, about... It's like playing the egg ball in Starkville and calling it an Ole Miss home game. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to happen. It's, you know? it's, it's stupid. Uh, but I will say that the fact that that is a possibility doesn't – forgive me, I'm, I'm being very cheesy, okay? But that's kind of the beauty of this country because would that happen anywhere else in the world? It, it sounds bad, like, oh, the, there's a bunch of Venezuelan fans at a USA home game, but that means there's a bunch of people – from Venezuela that saw this country as the land of opportunity and, and they found their way here and they make home yeah. here and they live here and they're free to, you know, cheer on whoever they want to. That is still something that is great uh, about this country despite, you know, how it is presented in media. Anyway, all right, no more, uh, no more of that. He got hurt celebrating, though, something that could have happened anywhere else on Earth. Exactly. It, you know, the... 
kind of over the complaining about the World Baseball Classic. You have spring training games. I mean, you have spring training games. Exactly. Those are meaningless as well. So, uh, so give me a break. If that happened at his son or daughter's birthday, would that fan hate his kid then? <laughs> uh, yeah. No more birthday parties. No more ever. birthday parties. Uh, last one. Brandon says, I think people get excited about the first part of a Major League Baseball season because there has been a lull of baseball, but then they eventually get burnt out because it's such a long season, then get revived once the playoffs start. Yeah, and there, there's some merit to that. I mean, you know, game 50 in a 160-game season, it's hard to get juiced up for. But there's still things that they could do. Every Major League Baseball game I've been to, I've thought, they could do more. Like, this is kind of... Like the game's good, the players are good. Like it's baseball, but for especially when you've got a slog of a season, they they can do more to make make it more fun. Which is, you know, some of you baseball purists out there are rolling your eyes. No, baseball is all you need. The casual person does not agree. I mean, the, the environments in Japan before all the games came to the States were unbelievable. Constant chanting, and it just, everybody was just on edge. Every pitch mattered, and I don't know. It it, it was really cool. And we get that here in yeah. Mississippi in college baseball. We get that, yeah. oh, this is a lot of fun. Like, there's a bunch of stuff going on. You can, at State, you can customize, if you pay enough, you can customize a platform with your own personal grill on it. I mean, you've got people with lights and, and tiki huts and smokers and, and stuff at a baseball game. You, you can't you can't do that, you know, at Truist Park. Well, I guess it's a new name, right? They already changed the name, but... I think Truist is still the is name. Is it still Truist? I think that's the, no. the new well, name. Yeah, I think that's that the there. new name, yeah. Either uh, either way. Mike, by the way, not thrilled is Mike with the amenities at Vanderbilt Baseball. He said, more on the dumpster in Nashville. They have a promotion called, quote, First Pitch Friday, where they have half-price drinks up until the first pitch. All drinks except for water, that is. A $7 Pepsi is $3.50, a $9 beer is $4.50, but a $5 water is still $5. That doesn't make sense. Beer, which needs water to be produced as does Pepsi, is cheaper than the water that they use to produce. Anyway. He, he thinks that's bad. I've already sent his picture to all the concession stands at Duty Noble Field. He'll be getting nothing when he comes to start. <laughs> better, better bring a cooler, Mike. We're ready for you. You will get nothing and like it. And you'll like it. You'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> oh, that, that's exactly what that's going to be. We got a text earlier, by the way, asking us about Rick Pitino. Uh, buddy in Diaberville asking us about Rick Pitino. Yeah, St. John's. Rick Pitino is coaching for St. John's. Sure. And the the picture of him at his introductory press conference today where he's holding the jersey standing right next to a priest. <laughs> Rick Pitino. <laughs> Pitino's a good Catholic. Slick Rick Pitino. Uh, yeah. Famous for many things off the basketball court. 
More famous for them on the court, on though. The court, on the court. An excellent yeah. basketball coach. Everything else aside, he really is. I mean, even in his old age. I mean, he, he had Iona in the tournament and, and competitive. And, and, I mean, he's a great coach. There, there's no way around it. And he's getting up there in age, but a, a great coach. But I, I could not stop laughing at that image of Rick Pitino holding up that jersey with a priest in the full carp standing next to him, knowing what we know about Rick Pitino. Yeah, it's fine. For the most part. Mike says Everett's going to take care of him, by the way. Don't do it. Don't do it, E. I'll get to Everett. Don't worry about that. I'll be like, yeah, we can't with this guy. If you walk into any gas station in Mississippi, Hammy says, you can find a beer, not a specific brand, but a beer cheaper than bottled water. That's true. Tells you a lot, doesn't it? You can get a Natty Light cheaper than you get a bottle of water. One of those big, like, rocket cans, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 24 ounces. Yeah. You know what I would call that in college? Breakfast. Mike, when Mike wants to have a drink, drink, he's a four loco guy. He just, he just gets right to it. So they've changed those since, but four loco used to be like the equivalent of four cups of coffee and also yeah. like four shots of vodka in a can. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it used to be just like death. Like, <laughs> Death in a can. Like, I'm here for a. I'm here for a short time, not a not a. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. That's what you want to drink. It's a four loco. Uh, do you want to see the devil like, tonight? Back when Have energy drink. So, I got to tell you the story. So, and I won't use any names, but you know, when energy drinks first started coming out, I don't drink energy drinks, so I didn't know what they were. And like you know, I saw people drinking monsters and drinking you know Red Bulls. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then one day a girl comes into work at when I was at the pizza place and she has she has a four loco. I'm like, oh, is that one of those energy drinks? She's like, yeah. And just happenstance, I was like, Can I, let me look at it. And I saw it. I was like, oh come on. It's like, no, <laughs> no, not while you're at work, no. <laughs> Although that would have been an interesting rest of the shift, though. Oh, it might have been. Yeah, she passed out in the middle of the floor. Thomas and Greenwood said uh, it's called a tall boy. So tall boys are 16 ounces. I I think that I don't know what the 24s are called, but we called them rocket cans. Two by fours. Oh, really? A two by four beer? Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Two by four, yeah. Yeah, we called it. And then the next step up is the 40. Well, then you're. My my first ever drink was a 40 ounce Miller High Life. That was a bad choice. That a boy. Bad choice. Yeah. That's how you get introduced. Bought illegally, I will. I will say. I will tell you that I was. I was seventeen in the state of Mississippi. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Fence post apparently is what uh, it's commonly called. I, I guess rocket yeah. cans may have just been a South Carolina thing. We'll be right back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
fun reading some of your messages about the first drink you had. Bunch of degenerates out there. I, for one, didn't start until I was 21. Dad, if you're listening. I'm Porky, he's hey, Dad. (laughs) Sweet 16 starting on Thursday. About 5.30 on, on Thursday. Is there anything that's happened or that happened over the first weekend? I should say, is what happened? Not, is there something that happened? Because there were a ton of surprises. What surprised yeah, a lot of you the happened. most? Of all the double-digit, double-digit, double-digit seeded upsets, I it, Princeton feels like the easy answer. But, you know, maybe I'm just spoiled by remembering Princeton beating UCLA back in 96, and it's just not that, you know, surprising. But Princeton getting into the Sweet 16 is probably the correct answer. And this is, what, two years in a row now, we've had a 15 seed into the uh, the Sweet 16 with St. Peter's doing it last year. So that, that's that got to be the answer. Um, and then on the other side of things, you know, Kansas going out, I know a lot of people had them as a potential national championship. I, I, I do wonder... You know, not having Bill Self on the bench, how much that affected things uh, for them. Um, and then, you know, Alabama, to win as easily as they did in both games without much contribution from Brandon Miller, now he's got a couple days off to recuperate. I, I, I feel really confident in my national championship pick, as much as I, I hate to say that. Yeah, five-and-a-half point favorite is Alabama over – oh, excuse me, seven-and-a-half point favorite is Alabama over yeah. – San Diego State. The Aztecs are long and athletic. I, I I don't know though if they've got enough, especially if Brandon Miller's healthy or healthier. You, you don't just get a groin healthy in a couple of days, but if he's able to contribute more than he has the first couple of games, that it's going to be hard for San Diego State to contain him. It's hard for anybody to contain him. Um, I guess Princeton's the biggest. <sighs> Purdue losing to a 16 is not surprising, with considering their recent history. Considering what they've done recently in the tournament, losing to a 16 is not like, oh my God, I can't believe it. It's more like, oh, they did it again? Well, what's up with what's yeah. up with Purdue? It's kind of, kind of becoming a trend. I mean, luckily there's no 17 seed, or else next year they'd lose to them. But Princeton still being here is... I was listening to Dan Patrick talk about this, and he's so spot on. We love the stories like Fairleigh Dickinson because, I mean, they're shortest team in all of college basketball, play in front of nobody, won four games last year. Coach already left, by the way. He took the Iona job replacing yeah. Yeah. Rick Pitino. That was fast. I get it. It's more money, oh, yeah. better chance to win, but that was fast. Is what it is. I mean, that's how the coaching cycle works. One job opens, another job opens. Somebody has to fill them. Yeah, I do think it's you know, and and I think it, I think it was Richard's good friend Stuart Mandel who made this point. But it's like every year, it's like somebody gets hired off the basis of one crazy win in the NCAA tournament. And it's like, what did they do before that? Like Fairleigh Dickinson this year, not a great team. Only got in the tournament because. The Merrimack was ineligible, right? So it's like, I get that they had a great win. That, that's a great story. But now you're going to hire this guy to replace Rick Patino. Yeah. 
Maybe he should have dug a just yeah. Maybe there was probably a better candidate out there. But we'll see. I, you know, good luck to the guy. I hope he kills it. His the the way he talked to his team and the way they were schemed for Purdue was impressive uh, for sure. But you know, we love stories like Fairleigh Dickinson. Like I said, shortest team in all of college basketball. Won four games last year. Play in front of nobody. That's awesome. Furman hadn't made the tournament since like 1980. Hadn't won a tournament game since the 1970s. I mean, th- those are a bunch of uh, just scrappy underdogs that fight and claw for everything that they have. FAU, I know they were a really good this good team this year and didn't have to win the Conference USA to, to get in, but I mean, you, you hear their players talk uh, after the game. They're, they're scrappy underdogs that we love. Having FAU in the Sweet 16, having Fairleigh Dickinson beating Purdue, having Furman beating Virginia is awesome. Princeton isn't awesome. And here's why I say that. Because those guys don't need our help. They're going to be great <laughs> at whatever they're choosing. They don't need basketball. Five years from now, they'll all be sitting on, on the board of, of chairman of, of some Fortune 500 company. Yeah. I mean, yeah. forget Princeton. That's not a great story. It is. But th- those guys aren't scrappy underdogs. Th- yeah. Those are a bunch of dudes that <laughs> are, are going to be heading up some massive, like, Manhattan high-rise law firm here in a few years. I mean, it's just not as heartwarming when Princeton wins as it is Fairleigh Dickinson. That's all I'm saying. It's, it, right. All, all all Cinderellas aren't created equal. Furman was uh, was more heartwarming as well. Yes. Gibbs says they have a player fluent in Chinese. They also probably oh, yeah, have a player... Surprising. Fluent in trust fund. Yeah, they probably have players who are fluent in more than one language. Yeah, they're Prince. It's Princeton, and they're in the Ivy League. It's a good school. <laughs> it's no Cornell. Shout out to Andy Bernard, but it's still a good school. Uh, we get one message. Watch out for UConn at that four seed. Dangerous. Who do you like? Still Alabama coming out of the. Sw- yeah, oh, 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 for my national championship, absolutely. Let is there anybody else that's risen that has impressed you? Ah. Nah, not really, to be totally honest. I mean, I mean, everybody, it's, it's just, you know, it's just the NCAA tournament, so you get some wins. I mean, I had I had Alabama, San Diego State, so I, you know, I had uh, Creighton at this to this point. Did I not? No, I didn't. I had Baylor. So Baylor out, Prince. I mean, I got nothing there. Uh, Tennessee, I had them. I had them. I had Tennessee at this point, and then I had uh, Kansas State and Michigan State. Look at me. No, I didn't. I had Marquette. Marquette is out. That's one of my final four teams. So I don't know. I still. I mean, my national championship game is 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 UCLA uh, Alabama. I still feel good about that one. Apparently, this game that's coming up with Gonzaga is going to be on the anniversary. I don't remember exactly how long ago, but of that crazy game between UCLA and Gonzaga where Adam Morrison cried on the court all those uh, years yeah. ago. So, Isn't, is that's he one the of the best that, college basketball games of all time. Is he the one that works on a mushroom farm now? Isn't that his thing? I don't know that for sure. But based on what I know of Adam Morrison, I would not be totally surprised by that. Former world champion. He was uh, like the 13th guy on those Lakers teams in the 2009-2010 uh, years. 
I could be wrong. I, I, if it's not Adam Morrison, no, it's not Adam Morrison. It's a former quarterback whose name's escaping me that works for a uh, or works on a mushroom farm. Either way, um, all right. I think Creighton's road is interesting because they get Princeton. They're heavy favorite mm-hmm. in that game, and then I mean it's Alabama or F or San Diego State, but. In Alabama, with an injured Brandon Miller, if he is not 100%, that, that's a, a path where you can look up in a couple of games and think, wait, Creighton's in the Final Four. All they have to do is beat Princeton yeah. in a possibly hobbled superstar at Alabama. Yeah, That's a lot to ask, but don't be surprised if you look up next weekend one, and though. see Creighton there. Kansas... State, Kansas State, Michigan State, Tennessee, Florida, Atlantic. One of those teams is going to the Final Four. We could get Alabama, Tennessee in the Final Four. Will the Tide get revenge for the third Saturday in October in the Final Four? Now that's a crazy story to think about. Yeah, that is. I hope it doesn't happen that way. It's Jake Plummer, by the way, that uh, ah is... Again, selling. knowing what I know of Jake Plummer, I can believe that story. Yeah, he's the one that's Big selling snake. Uh, mushrooms now. Yeah. A, a stress-relieving mushroom, which is good. That, but I imagine... That guy was a great, maybe the greatest number two fantasy quarterback of all time. If Jake Plummer was your backup quarterback, you had a good team. If he was your starting quarterback, you had some issues. You were in trouble. So if that's the guy you were putting in on the bye week, oh, you were you were load, locked and loaded. I miss nicknames, man. Jake the Snake. What a what a great nickname. Well, what happened to those? It's a great nickname. Nobody has nicknames anymore. Nobody nobody does nicknames anymore. Very very few. Anthony Richardson had one, and then that got canceled. Yeah. Like, who's got a nickname anymore? Who who's a current star that has a nickname? Joel Embiid. The process. The process. It's not bad. Not a great nickname though. It's not great. Now I have to think about it while we're while we're in the break. The beard with Harden, but Harden sucks now, no, so Harden. it's it's less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. There isn't King a good James. One. That's probably King, King James is probably the best nickname in sports right now. The, yeah, very LeBron few options. King James, but that is a good nickname. I'm but, gonna think about it during the break. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Borky. He's Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Don't go anywhere. Point three. Right here, let's go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. All right. Did you come up with a better modern? Like, today's athlete nickname. I don't think that I did, but I did forget something. And it's the the cavalcade of nicknames that was the 2022 Mississippi State football team. I think you got seven I think we got seven quality nicknames here. You have Ra Ra Thomas. You have Tulu Griffin. You have Woody Marks. You have Junior Forbes. You have. I'm, I'm going through the list. But here aren't those all childhood that. nicknames? I'm talking about nicknames that are more but applicable to their play. Where, where it came they're from. All nicknames. You have Dollar Bill Johnson. 
Okay, that's just... I mean, that, those are great nicknames. That's just great. Yeah. So... But... Yeah. Like, Mike says sweetness. Mike says... But I don't think he was called sweetness because of his play. I think that was a childhood nickname that carried over. I think. I could be wrong. Dwayne says The Rock. That's a wrestling name. That doesn't count, my friend. The Rock, yeah. The Rock doesn't count. The Rock is not a nickname. The Rock is what he was called in professional wrestling. It was his stage name that he's just kept. We get one submission. Big Cozy, who's... Uh, That's a good one. He's seven foot three sixty. plays college basketball for Rochester. And they call him the Big Greek Cozy. Freak. That's a good one for Giannis. The Greek, Greek Freak is a good one. nickname. The NBA is kind of carrying us here for uh, for nicknames. Slim, is it, was it the Slim Reaper? And that we call KD. That's a, yeah, I, and I don't know if like that's taken on the way it should because that is a great nickname. It's a great nickname. Yeah, the Slim yeah, I Reaper. I mean, come on. Yeah, I've never heard. Oh, I forgot about Buki Watson for uh, state's nicknames. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of good nicknames on one team. That is. The bus, Jerome Spider Bettis, Mitchell, that's, that's a, a good great one. one. Yeah. The bus. Yeah. Love that. I've never heard John Morant called Mr. Sandman. Didn't know that. I don't like it. Did not? No. No, it doesn't work. John Morant doesn't get nicknames right now. Big Poppy, Big Poppy that's Poppy, another that's great one. It's a great nickname. We yeah. need more of that today. I agree. Like I agree with you. Otani, for example, he needs a nickname. I mean, you want to you want a nickname that becomes the name, right? Like Babe Ruth's name is not Babe, but who calls him George? Air Jordan. I mean, it became synonymous. You could just say Air Jordan, and people knew who you were talking about. Or Air, you know. Man was this man's the man's nickname was the most prevalent substance on the earth, and it became synonymous with him. Magic, Magic Johnson, Magic. Yeah. Great. Nobody calls him Irvin. Nobody calls him Irvin. No. Uh, Lisa, you fell victim to what we in the biz call a really good tease. You're going to have to wait until the college football fix at 5 to hear that Saban story. So hang with us. Hang with us until 5 o'clock, and we'll tell you about how Nick Saban took a direct shot at Nate Oates. He he reminded everybody at Alabama who the boss was with uh, a particular quote. We'll tell you what. We'll play it for you. At the top of the hour at uh, 5 o'clock. Pistol Pete. See, that's old, though. I'm talking about modern athletes that are at the top of their game that have nicknames like that. But that is a great one. Pistol Pete's just outstanding. Oh, yeah. He hates Everybody's me. getting these old names, though. Kool-Aid McKistry. There we go. See, there his name go. is nobody calls him. I don't even I don't even really know what his first name is. He's Kool-Aid McKistry. Isn't it De Quincy? McKinstry? I have no idea. I believe that's what it is. I have no idea. No clue. Don't care. It's Kool-Aid. Mean Joe, another outstanding one. The big unit, Randy Johnson. Where did all these go? William Perry, the fridge. I've told this story before. I saw him in an airport once, and he had a couple of security guards with him that were much smaller than he was. (laughs) What's the point of these guys? It's always fun when big guys have security. Like Shaq will have security. It's like, Why? (laughs) <laughs> you sh- you should be their security. Exactly. He had um, a Louis Vuitton jumpsuit on that matched his luggage. Uh, just <laughs> just awesome. Of course. 
Broadway Why Joe? Not? That's a good one. What, what uh, Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, that. See, Joe Cool. That's yeah, but that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a redo. Joe Montana was Joe Cool before him. Yeah. That's more of an homage. Yeah. See, like, how does Patrick Mahomes not have a nickname by now? <laughs> how not? That weird dude's brother? That's his nickname. <laughs> uh, the TikTok star got in a little bit of trouble recently. He's in hot water. Imagine that. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. You hate to hear that. The mayor, Jake Mangum, that was a good one. Grandpa Jake yeah. never stuck, but... I tried to get Senator Austin Williams to stick, and it didn't either. That's a shame. Big Diesel. The Biloxi Bull. Uh, Matthew Oliver, who plays for uh, the Preds, right? And he's from, well, obviously from uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. Biloxi. Yeah, that uh, that yeah. one and one sometimes does equal two. Teddy Cahill, Baseball America, will join us next. We'll talk Ole Miss State, Southern Miss, around the SEC. What the heck is wrong with our teams? We'll ask him when we come back. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you at Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday. But we go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Baseball America's Teddy Cahill, joining us right now. And, Teddy, I'm going to drop a stat on you courtesy of our friend David Eckert. Now, if this stat is incorrect, we can we can blame him. That's how this works. We just push <laughs> the blame on other people. According to him, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are obviously both 0-3 in SEC play. The last time that happened was 1952, and Ole Miss began conference play that year against Tulane. How about that? Yeah, I saw that one. That is uh, that's a doozy. I mean, it's strange times. Obviously, if you're seeing 0 and 3 next to Ole Miss and Mississippi State on the diamond, it's uh, it's hard, hard to imagine. Uh, let's start with State. We, we talked to Chris Lamonis yesterday. It's it's a team that repeatedly shoots itself in the foot. A lot of free bases, a lot of errors, a lot of allowing base runners to steal as well. At what point does that stop becoming self-inflicted wounds and start becoming what they are as a team? I mean, I kind of think we're getting close to that point if we're not there already. I mean, we're nearly six weeks into the season. Uh, you know, they've been practicing for... Or, you know, they've been together as a team, they'll tell you, since August uh, when they, they first met. And, you know, at some point it is, it is who you are. And, and I think we're it, – it's getting harder and harder to say, well, it's still early. Like, if, if it's still early, it's getting pretty late um, in that early stages of the season. So, you know, I, teams can get better over the course of the year. I, I think that that is also a fair thing. And that, you know, you're allowed to get better over the course of the year. But I think at this point, almost across the country, at least for teams, you know, in the South, you, you, 
you kind of have had a lot of time together, and we are at that point in the season. And Teddy, with State, you know, th- this is carrying over from last season where you f- they finished, you know, last in the uh, in the SEC, coming off of a national title. Can you recall a, a team winning a national championship and then falling apart the way this program seems to have done these this year past year and a half? You know, I'd have to like really look at numbers because it's hard to envision like. Okay, what was Georgia the la- the couple of years? I don't know they didn't win the title, but like coming off of their finals appearance, um, you know, I, you you look at it now, and it, I know they fell off quickly, but did they fall apart quite this quickly? So, I, it's hard to it, to imagine a team, you know, that that finishes goes from national title to last in their conference, uh, you know, in back to back years, let alone then struggling again the following season, uh, but. It must have happened at some point. Baseball's been being played for a long time, but it's uh, it's definitely strange. Definitely strange. And so that that sort of begs a big question that Richard and I have, have differed on. That you know, if if this season goes the ways of last season, national championship or no, I think Chris Lamonis would be in real trouble at Mississippi State. Do you do you think he would you know still have enough credit in the bank to get another year to turn things around, or or would he be on the real hot seat when we got to May? I think that I I follow more in line with, with where Richard sounds like he, he's at without him being here to, to tell me exactly that. But I, I, I think I'm more in line with that line of thinking that, you know, yes, last year was very bad. And this year has, you know, entered a, you know, we've gone into this year with, with concerns and, and there are still concerns now as, as we enter SEC play. But I would, it, it would be awful quick. Baseball doesn't usually move that quick. Things are different in the SEC, and things are even more different in Starkville, yes. But uh, he got a pretty significant contract extension coming off of the national championship. Uh, And in baseball, contracts usually still mean something in a way that they don't necessarily in other sports. Teddy Cahill, Baseball America, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Let's uh, switch over. To the other 0-3 SEC team in this state, Ole Miss, uh, Hunter Elliott still not back and, and won't be for the timeline is anticipated another three weeks. Absent him, uh, I mean, a bad Vanderbilt offense anyway, or at least uh, and Vanderbilt offense that struggled up until this point, scored 27 runs on an Ole Miss team uh, over the course of three games. Is that correctable, or are they going to have to slug their way to wins moving forward? Well, we always knew that they were going to have to hit to win. And, you know, I, as bad as the Vanderbilt offense was on paper, I don't think it was ever as bad as people made it out to be. Um, the sky was definitely falling in Nashville. If you listen to a certain segment of Vanderbilt fans and the numbers weren't pretty, but Vanderbilt had also played a harder schedule than almost any team in the country. Um, they played in a big league ballpark. They'd played in a football stadium. They'd faced the UCLA pitching staff. Like, things had not been ideal uh, in terms of, of the setup for their offense coming into the year. So I, I think that there was a little bit of – there was too much made of how bad Vanderbilt's numbers were coming into the weekend. That said, Ole Miss is going to have to pitch better because while I think Ole Miss, or while I think Vanderbilt's offense is better than the numbers indicated they were, I don't think it's the best offense in the SEC. So uh, at some point, Ole Miss is going to need its pitching staff to, to come together – they're in a similar spot to where they were last year in, in some respects. They were still trying to figure things out at this point last year. They hit on something that worked with Delucha and Elliott. 
The question, I guess, now is can they repeat that experience, uh, especially with Elliott's current injury? Uh, we've already seen Vanderbilt around here. That's State's next opponent. Ole Miss is set to, to host Florida this weekend. I know they've got a superstar. Uh, absent him, what else does Florida present to Ole Miss this weekend? Ordinarily, Florida has two superstars, but they're down Wyatt Laneford right now, who is uh, in consideration to be the number one overall pick. He's uh, he's out injured. So Florida's running out there still with one of the better offenses in the country. Jack Kegley, known as uh, been a sensation as a sophomore, both hitting and pitching on the mound. That's one of the best rotations you'll find in the country. Brandon Sprout threw a complete game one hitter uh, last week against Alabama to start SEC play. Hurston Waldrop, uh, you know, who you guys should remember from Southern Miss, uh, is uh, is there in the rotation, and then Caglione finishes out. And those guys are are really tough. Um, the the Gators are. A little different offensively without Laneford, but they're still a, a very dangerous group, and they field at a high level. It's it's a team that, that absolutely stacks up with the best in the country. Four sweeps in week one of conference play. I don't think any of them more surprising, though, than Missouri uh, getting all three from Tennessee. Is that one of the most surprising results we've seen in the past few years of college baseball? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a genuine stunner when you look at it. I mean, that's the team that... Uh, you know, had been in the cellar of the SEC East for a couple of years, uh, facing a team that last year ran away with the SEC title. And, you know, yeah, things hadn't gone. It, obviously, Tennessee going into the weekend didn't even look like the juggernaut that they were uh, last year, let alone what they looked like, you know, coming off of getting swept like that. But, uh, you know, it was the, the way that Missouri was able to pitch was probably the most impressive part of it. Um, you know, they really, really silenced Tennessee's bats and they got to Tennessee's supposed to have one of the best rotations in the country. Those are three, the same three guys basically that they had all of last year that were so good for them. And Mizzou got to them in a way that nobody had gone to them in, in a year, uh, of playing in the SEC. So just a really, really impressive weekend by the Tigers. Can't let you go without, uh, asking you about Southern Miss as well. Scott Barry joined us yesterday. He, he appears to, uh, not be anywhere remotely close to to being in panic mode. Should the Southern Miss fan out there listening to this share that sentiment? I uh, I, I still think that they're in a fine spot. I mean, they have uh, you know it, it wasn't a easy way to start conference play in the Sun Belt, but they played Texas State really tough on the road. Uh, the, the conference play presents a lot of challenges for them this year. They especially up front. I feel like their schedule is really front loaded. And so that's a little disconcerting that they're still clearly working through some things uh, as they go through that slate. But, you know, it, they weren't that far off of beating Texas State. And I know for a, a, a program that's as proud as Southern Misses, they're not going to be happy with just missing on, on series like that. But uh, I, I think that they've got time to round things into form and they've still got a really talented roster. Teddy, outstanding stuff as always. We appreciate your time and, and we will talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Teddy Cahill joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Teddy Cahill of Baseball America. So, hey, Dad, he, he seems to kind of share the, the sentiments of a lot of state fans I've interacted with. It's getting close to being worry time uh, with not only this team, but, I mean, after nine conference wins a year ago, program. 
You talk to different state fans than I do. The ones I talk to are in full worry mode. Oh, really? They're, they are beyond worried. I mean, going back to last year, state's been swept in four straight SEC series. Wow. Um, they've lost 14, 14 straight SEC games at this point, and now you're going to bring in a top-five Vanderbilt team this weekend. And it's just when you watch them play baseball, I mean, it, there's a lot of – Little league, bad news bear stuff going on. I mean, the inability to throw out base runners is incredible. The defense, the the walks, the leaving runners on base. They just they, there's nothing this team does well. There's a lot to worry about in Starkville, in my opinion. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line again. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. You want to be a part of the show? That's how you can do it. We'll be right back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Just Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Bubba Meridian says, MSU baseball fans, like we are not competitive, similar to the season before Cohen was hired as head baseball coach. Is that what you were reacting to before he came back? No. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I just I just had one of your pet peeves strike me here, where I get breaking Kansas big man Cam Martin has entered the NCAA transfer portal. I don't know anything about this guy, but I know State might be in the, in the look, looking for a big man, so let's look him up. I don't need it, a, 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 a thing for a guy who played in four games and averaged 1.8 points per game. I don't, I don't need you to tell me that guy's in the transfer portal. I don't care. He's 24. He's played in four games last year. Don't care. I don't need breaking on that. On three is milking the breaking tab. Uh, to the, they're crying wolf, man. I, got, I, I, think, I, I, think that's, I think I'm unfollowing the 24-7 tra- transfer portal. If somebody is that's important to my, my job of transfers, I'll know about it. I also can't stand the uh, breaking recruit releases top ten. It's like breaking. He can visit no, five. I don't schools. need that either. What are you talking about breaking? I don't need that either. Yeah. Somebody else. I was like, literally, said, like one point eight points. Yeah. Ooh, what do I care? Yeah. The uh, you know Arkansas State might be in the mix there. Um, we get one message that says State just needs to play my Rebels to end that losing streak. See, that's the thing, though. It's like, it feels like Ole Miss losing their, their, their three games last weekend is just, you know, bumping the road, right? Like, they'll be okay. But State, it doesn't feel that way because you, you have, one team is coming off of a national title and one team is coming off of a last place finished, finish. And you would just hope that they would be better. And so far, they just haven't been. And I thought that seven game winning streak was like maybe a sign that they were, you know, getting things together. But it turns out it was just a lot of fool's gold. Uh, a handful of people sent me, okay, it was one group message, a handful of people in it, and they all asked me to bring this article to the show today. I don't know how much, really how much time we're going to spend on it. It was uh, mm-hmm. a Bloomberg article, and the headline is, Men's College Basketball Players Are Already Making Twice As Much As Women. And, and I'm, I'm not going to read the entire thing to you. It is about the NIL discrepancies between men's players and women's players, 
But when you eliminate the collectives, like the actual endorsement deals, the women generally do better. It's interesting. The collectives pay more. The endorsements and, and the, the real NIL, if you will, favors uh, the women. Like the, the the twins at Miami, they're making a killing right now right. through real like marketability and capitalism as opposed to a collective giving them money. They're marketable on their own. But here's a quote that, that I'm going to read. Uh, this is from... Uh, Zaya Cook, who plays at South Carolina, and she has a partnership with H&R Block for a gender inclusivity campaign. Here's a quote from her. It just never seems fair that we can do the exact same work, spend the same time, make the same sacrifices as male athletes, and not be rewarded the same way. But it also impacts our moms who work, our female coaches, our female professors. It's everywhere. We're all working hard to support ourselves and our families, too. The pay gap is everywhere, and it compounds over the course of our lives and careers. So here's here's the thing. There are men's basketball players that put all the same work in that Oscar Shibwe, for example, did this year. They went to the same workouts. They played in the same amount of games. They worked just as hard. And they didn't get paid seven figures like Oscar Sheboy did. The, the word fair, it, maybe, maybe my parents did wrong to me growing up, but I was told at an early age, life's not fair. And there are going to be people that are going to be less talented. My, my dad told me this when I started media, actually. He said there are, going to be, there are going to be people that don't have your talent that are going to get jobs that you don't, that are going to get paid in ways that you don't, that are going to be given opportunities that you won't have. And I appreciate that lesson. I'm not seeking those opportunities because I'm pretty pumped up to be where I'm at, but that that was a nice warning from my dad. Right after I graduated college, when I was applying for 67 job applications, I think I, I put out in media, some somewhere in there. And he told me that, and, and that was a nice lesson, and I'm going to pass that on to my son. Hey, life's not fair. The, the men's tournament is watched by more people. A lot more people. It makes a lot more money. And I'm not saying the women's tournament's not valuable, because it is. You've got one of the guys on OutKick talking about how ESPN is is woke for having articles about the women's tournament on their front page. And it's like, they, they air the thing, man. They, they, they air the tournament. And it does well numbers-wise. If they didn't have the rights to it, they probably wouldn't cover it. ESPN didn't cover hockey for like a decade because they didn't have the rights to it. Now they do. Guess what? There's hockey everywhere. It's simple economics. The women's tournament does well. They should be allowed and afforded opportunities in NIL. And I hope that they are able to get those. But when we completely abandon the fact that the men's basketball tournament is a billion-dollar event... And the women's tournament is not, when, when we just stop talking about that and, and using the word fair, you lose rational people like I think you and I are. I want women's basketball players to get NIL money because they do work their tails off and they are marketable. But comparing the women's tournament to the men's tournament is is just disingenuous in terms of the revenue that it produces and welcome to the real world. You are only as valuable as 
the revenue generators think that you are. Bad salesmen don't keep sales jobs. Bad doctors don't get to continue to perform surgery and and make high salaries. Lawyers that lose a bunch of cases don't get named partner at a law firm. It's all about money. If you can generate the money, you get paid. Do you, do you hear any men's athletes speaking out against the gymnast from LSU? What is it, Olivia Dunn? Who, who's just, yeah. she's making more money than the Olympic gold medalist. Suni Lee at Auburn. Livy Dunn makes more money than the gold medalist. Why? Because she produces more revenue with all of the things that she does. That's life. I, I don't know if we need to dig any deeper than that. It's just, I've had people ask me to talk about it, and it's it's just, the, again, the men's tournament's a billion-dollar event. That that's why the men's yeah. players are getting paid more in general. That that's why it's that we got, simple. We got about we got about three or four different texts coming in. They're all saying the same thing. Fair comes to town once a year. It's where you buy corn dogs and ride rides. That's what the fair is. Life isn't fair. Uh, just it just isn't. And sorry you have to learn that lesson, but you do. You do need to learn that lesson, and it's going to be that way the rest of your life. And there's no changing it. You know. You, Rage against the machine all you want. The machine always wins. Basically, I'm saying give up. <laughs> just, just just live your life and try to be as happy as you can with what you have. We get a message. Borky, good point. I'm surrounded by girls in my family, summer basketball and softball players that are in college. They are upset about no NIL deals f- for women. Um, and, and look, again, I want that to happen. I, I, I want that for them. But there's a reason that... The old Miss quarterback room has three guys that are signed to lucrative NIL deals. Because football pays for everybody else. That's why. Football puts 64,000 people in the stands and another few million watching at home. Poorly rated Old Miss and Mississippi State games draw seven figures when they're not playing Mercer. Like conference games? Millions of people watch an SEC game. With Ole Miss or Mississippi State football. Millions. Multiple million. That's, it's, it's, it's just so undeniably simple. And it's not misogyny or sexism or anything like that. It is revenue versus revenue. South Carolina women's basketball, the most successful program in the country, loses money on an annual basis. That, that's just what reality is. I, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. We'll get back to uh, sports sports. When we come back, 601-879-4395 is the text line. Speaking of revenue, I saw a graphic earlier I'm going to tell you guys about. Uh, the, the differences... Between the the haves in the NCAA tournament and the have-nots that beat them in the NCAA tournament is pretty staggering when you look at it this way. The upsets were not just the seeds. The upsets were uh, much deeper than that. We'll talk about that when we come back in the Pearl River Resort studio. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. We appreciate you guys hanging out this afternoon. Be a part of the show. We'd love to have you on the text line 601 601- 
879-4395. We'll be right back. On Super Talk Mississippi. Speaking of the business college basketball the biggest financial upsets of 2023 i love this i'm michael borky by the way he's brian haydad appreciate you guys hanging out being a part of the show this afternoon sports talk mississippi is brought to you in part by genteel apparel i'm rocking a genteel pullover right now genteelapparel.com is the website we've got a collegiate collection it's getting warmer finally getting warmer you want to rock one of their golf shirts to a baseball game this spring or a football game this fall check them out at Genteel. And they've got... They're, they're in retail stores scattered all over the state. Their website will help you, actually. You go to their website and you can find a retailer near you. Uh, so check them out. Genteel, the official pro- apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. All right. Princeton defeated Arizona. This is the biggest financial upset of the tournament. Arizona spends just over $12 million a year on basketball. That is their budget on basketball only. Princeton's is under two. Arizona spends eight times more on basketball. 7.9 times more on basketball than Princeton. That's not surprising. Princeton turned around, by the way, in the budget ratio. They they have the number one and number two budget ratio upsets uh, of the tournament. This is, by the way, not counting... um, no, this is counting fairly Dickinson. You'd just be surprised at how little Purdue spends. Anyway, uh, Missouri just over 10. Purdue, or excuse me, Princeton just under 2. That is six times more. Fairly Dickinson spends uh, about the same amount of money as Princeton on basketball. Purdue just over $8 million for a ratio of 5.2 times. Florida Atlantic spends less on basketball than Furman, by the way. There's your stat of the day. Uh, beat Memphis, and Memphis spends almost $14 million on basketball compared to FAU's about $2.3 million. FAU has a much bigger budget for tropical shirts, though. That is true. So. What Memphis basketball, by the way, I, I know the city One cares. One of the biggest underachievers in college sports. Are they an underachiever, or is that who they are? Yes. No, well, uh, you, you make a point there, but underachieve relative to their fan base's expectations. Their fan base still thinks it's 1985, and they should be a consistent Elite Eight, Final Four kind of team. And that's just not the case. Among teams in the NCAA tournament, Memphis spends more on basketball than Arizona, Virginia, Alabama, Houston, Penn State, Kansas State, Purdue, Missouri. Yeah, Spend more than all yeah. of them. And they play in an NBA arena. Yeah. I mean, they can recruit kids to play in the NBA, in the NBA arena. It's like 
picture the next step. You could be here. You know, that's a that's like that's the old um, SMU used to do that on top of everything else SMU used to do. But you know, they played at Texas Stadium, so yeah. they could bring those Texas kids in there and say, "Hey, this is where the Cowboys play, and you're going to play here." That's a big recruiting tool. You know, all those kids in that area probably they're probably huge John Morant fans. Like, hey, this is his locker. <laughs> you can yeah. you, you could dress in it. Just make sure he didn't leave anything behind. Uh, uh, five point one time, five point one times budget ratio between Memphis and FAU. Furman uh, under four million. Virginia right at twelve. That's a three point seven budget ratio. Uh, how about Kentucky spending twenty three million dollars a year on basketball? Kansas State is under eight. I mean, it's just it's just not surprising. The, the the results of the games might be surprising, but these numbers aren't. I mean, I, I'm not surprised that Kentucky spends three times as much on basketball as uh, does Kansas State. Yeah. Duke, by the way, spends literally double than Tennessee on basketball. Twenty-eight to fourteen. Now, now do football. <laughs> Changes things. Uh, a little bit. A&M, Penn State was 1.6 times. Maryland actually spends more than Alabama by a time and a half. And then Auburn spends more than Houston at 1.4. Although, I bet Houston... Ah, well, Auburn recruits really well as well. But I, I feel like Houston's yeah. uh, non-school-related budget is is really high when you consider who's involved in uh, yeah. in the recruiting practices there. Yeah, if five years ago, that would not have been the same. But Auburn would have been spending more. But now now Houston is, you know, they've put money into it. And see how it works. Somebody says, talk a little louder about Memphis. I think they can hear you from South Haven. I mean, yeah, it's maybe. Just, it's just true, though. It's just true. I mean, Memphis fans, by and large, still think that they are a, a year-in, year-out elite basketball program, which they, you know, they used to be in the 80s, and they certainly were when Calipari was there. But you know, they, they, it just hasn't worked under Penny Hardaway the way they thought it was. They thought he was going to consistently get all of these great recruits year in and year out, and that was going to elevate their program. And they're still just more or less a one and done when they get into the NCAA tournament kind of program. Pretty much, pretty much. They uh, they last made the Final Four in two thousand and eight. They last made the Sweet Sixteen in two thousand and nine. Uh, yeah. Last year was the first year they made the round of 32 since 2014. Mm-hmm. You are what your record says you are, aren't they? There is, by the way, yeah. uh, I don't know if it's like this as much for State, but, buddy, the Memphis media hates, hates Ole Miss, hates them with a burning. They hate State, too. Do they? Yeah. They, burning they passion. And, and, of course, the thing is, State can't ever get Memphis in basketball. I mean, State's played them, put them in the tournament uh, in 08. That year they, they made the run to the Final Four. I think that's correct. I could be wrong. Maybe in the next year. But the, State never plays them. And, I, and Ole Miss, I think, does a thing where they tie football to basketball, right? Like, if, if you want to play us in football, if you want us to come to Memphis, you got to give us a basketball game. State has never done that. So I couldn't tell you the last time State played Memphis in the regular season in a basketball game. Yeah, a lot of Ole Miss fans didn't like Ross Bjork for that deal. It turns out there are a lot of things that he did that Ole Miss fans don't like and, and didn't like. And then he fell upwards to Texas A&M. Um, hey, credit to you. 
I would like to follow up once hey, to the oil money at Texas A&M I, as well. I would love to. I would love to come on this show, accidentally drop an F bomb, and then the next day be the lead anchor on Sports Center. Would love to do it. But seems unlikely. A, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a, a little bit. One, one day, do you, do you have, I know we have a dump button. Do we have an actual, like, beep button? Uh, no. Like, you could beep out profanity? I mean, I'm sure. If you knew it was coming? I want, it'd be funny one day just to be in the middle of the show and I'm just talking and you just throw a beep in there like I said something but I didn't. There's really funny videos of people like, what doing What did you say? That. What happened? We just got beeped. Uh, make, making sentences inappropriate with one sound, covering up a word that wasn't yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Memphis basketball, perpetual underachievers, feels that way. It yeah. feels that way. It, you know, some people can't. Can't be faced with reality when it comes to their home. I get it. I get it. Memphis media loves their Tigers. Uh, the Tigers don't love them back, though. Don't love them back. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and the the growth of the Grizzlies is. I think feels like it hurts Memphis the Memphis Tiger basketball in a certain way because you know fan. We talk about this all the time, right? Dollars. You only have so many dollars to spend. Would you rather go to the Grizzly game or the Tigers game? Rather see John Morant, or you rather see you know, I don't even know any of Memphis's players. So I mean, it, it's a it's a real it's a real thing. John Morant, by the way, going to be back on the court soon. I think uh, tomorrow. Apparently so. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, it seems like a very Not short really, period of time. To it, it does. It does. It, it feels like I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you though, and I, I don't know that I truly totally agree with this, but. Maybe getting him back in the structure of the team is what's best for him. Maybe leaving him, telling him, hey, we're going to suspend you the rest of the season and sort of say, stay away from the facility might not be what's best for him to get point. him on the right path. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I think action should have consequences. But at the same time, I feel like this is like a, a, an air, a moment for John Morant where he's, he's at a fork in the road and he's either going to go one way or the other. And you got to do everything you got to do to keep him on the right path. So, did you see they changed their travel that's policy the case. Uh, only because of him and ruined it? Ruined it for the entire team as if they're back in high school. So, typically NBA teams don't fly out the night after a game unless they have a back to back. But usually they'll stay the night in the city and fly out the next morning after a game, uh, just not to force them to have a quick turnaround and get on a jet and land at three a.m. They'd rather, you know. Let yeah. them get their rest, and a lot of guys take advantage of that opportunity and go out and do their thing. But the Grizzlies have ended that practice. They are flying home after road games, immediately after road games for the rest of the season, um, to curb bad decisions. Got to do what you got to do. That's one of those, uh, you know, one guy screwed up so the whole class has detention kind yep. of things. Like, exactly. I didn't do anything, but it is what it is. Uh, get a message back when I was in state. We called them Tiger High. I've heard that a uh, a lot uh, around here. And again, I mean, they made the tournament. That's that's great. And then they lost to oh, but the refs. Oh, they lost to Florida Atlantic. But hey, the the refs. Nah. Yeah, the the refs. So nah. no, it's fine. No, no, we'll be back.
you can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Working Brian Haydad with you. It is great to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. How about that stat from earlier, by the way? Ole Miss and State being 0-3 in the SEC for the first time since 1952 when Tulane was still in the conference. I thought about looking that up, and I was just like, "There's, I have to dig so deep. I was like, I don't feel like doing it. So I knew somebody would come across it. So shout out to David Eckert from the Clarion Ledger uh, for, for getting that done. And that, I mean, it's it just, that's probably correct. It, I mean, I, I, I don't have any reason to doubt it because both of those teams losing all three games in the first week. I mean, when has it happened? I was going to ask, how does it happen? But we know that. The, the question is, I guess, will they, will this get fixed? Like for Ole Miss, I think there's going to be too much pressure, I think, placed on. Hunter Elliott from fans because I've talked to some people that were like, "Well, they just got to wait. When Elliott gets back, they'll be okay." And and when Elliott yeah. gets back, especially when it that looks will like, help a lot. You know, they're what? saying mid-April. Well, the first series of mid-April is Super Bulldog against Mississippi State. I mean, you're going to come to Starkville, probably two teams desperate for wins at that point, especially State. That that is a high-pressure situation to put a guy back in for his first start. Where you know he's going to be on a pitch count, might go three innings depending on what happens. That that's that's a tough situation. Yeah, and we'll see. I, I mean, I have not heard an update on, on that if he's still on track, but that that helps, but it doesn't solve the problem because even when you get to put Doherty back in the pen and and you know that he can give you a couple of times through a lineup, that that helps with some of the bullpen issues as well. But you still have a guy that you're going to pitch in Game 2 and Game 3 that has yet this season to show you that they can extend an outing and, and get through a lineup three times and pitch into the seventh and not make you dependent on your incredibly inexperienced and abnormally young bullpen. And so, I, I'd, of course, there's a chance they figure it out. They, they did it last year as well. I mean, counting a team out after one weekend with the bats that they have is an, a remarkably stupid thing to do. But but I do not think that, well, when Elliott gets back, it will all be fine, is um, a, a genuine take on the situation. Because it's not just one starter that they're missing to be a complete baseball team. It is the basically the entire bullpen is is an issue yeah. right now for that team. Oh yeah, I, I misery loves company. So here in Starkville, it, it's the the same situation. You know, where you just it's just up and down the lineup from pitcher to hitter and into the field. There's just so many questions and just so many things. That aren't going Mississippi State's way, and it's not like the, it's not like it's bad luck. You know, bad luck is a bad hop every now and then. But when you are the worst fielding team in the conference by a large margin, when you 
walk more batters than anyone else, when you can't throw out runners stealing bases, I mean, that's players and coaches. That's that's not bad luck. And now this weekend, I mean, you've got a team with with speed on the base pass. Great catchers struggle I, I, with I these will guys. Set, I, will, I mean, three games, I'll set the over-under at six and a half for Enrique Bradfield stolen bases. I mean, assuming he gets – anytime Enrique Bradfield gets on first, he's going to second. I mean, you, you might as well just balk him over. And possibly he's, he's third. going to second. Yeah, more, like, more than likely. And it's not even just him. I mean, that team is fast. But, yeah, it, interesting times. It feels like, is it too early to say this weekend's kind of a crossroads for State? Like, if they don't play cleaner, I'm not saying, like, you have to win this series, but if they don't start playing, playing cleaner soon, that it will affirm what we think we know about them. Is it is it too early mm-hmm. to say that? If they have another weekend with, with sloppy play. People are going to start tapping out. Yeah. They're going to start tapping out if State gets swept again this weekend. I mean, it'll be full-on backlash against this program. Again, we all said it. State needed a pile-up wins in the first part of the conference play because the last four series are LSU, Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas A&M. Got to get this figured out. Got to find a way this weekend to win the series. I don't think they can, but they need to do it. Coming up next for the College Football Fix, we're going to talk about Nate Oates. And you're probably wondering, wait, Nate Oates, the basketball coach? Yes, but uh, an interesting bit of audio yesterday. Nick Saban, in case you did not know, uh, suspended a freshman on his team who got arrested for having a ridiculous amount of marijuana on him, also a firearm, and was trying to evade the police by driving 140 miles per hour. He got suspended. Nick Saban's pre-spring press conference happened, which, by the way, Lane Kiffin had his today. We'll play that for you tomorrow. Has Arnett had his? He's had his. It was a couple weeks ago. Yes, yeah, yeah. We'll talk to Arnett again on on Saturday. Um, So we'll bring that to you uh, Monday of next week. But Nick Saban, in responding to reporters about that, we'll let you be the judge. Did he take a shot at his basketball coach? In this press conference, we'll play the audio for you when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Michael Borky and Brian Hayad with you. It's the 5 o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad that you guys are with us. It's time for the College Football Fix here by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Did Nick Saban take a shot at Nate Oates? That's the story today. Did Nick Saban take a shot at Nate Oates? As uh, you guys may or may not know, 
Alabama defensive back Tony Mitchell was suspended from the team after an arrest in which he was driving 141 miles an hour as he attempted to flee police in Florida last week before being caught and arrested. According to the arrest report, uh, after Saban's announcement on Monday night, deputies discovered 226 grams of marijuana, which, if you're not a math guy, is just under 8 ounces, and more than $7,000 in cash in the vehicle. Uh, He was arrested uh, on Wednesday and charged with possession of marijuana with intent to sell and or deliver. He was also charged with carrying a concealed firearm without a permit. So, Nick Saban had his pre-spring press conference. He was obviously asked about that. And here is what Nick Saban said. Uh, Tony Mitchell has been suspended from the team on all team activities until we gather more information about the situation and what his legal circumstance is. And, um, you know, I mean, guys, everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing in being at the wrong place at the wrong time. you got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around, and what you do, who you associate yourself with, and uh, the situations that you put yourself in. So um, it is what it is, but uh, there is, you know, cause and effect when you make, you know, choices and decisions that uh, put you in bad situations. Do you guys hear that? Did you hear Oh, I heard it. Did you hear it? Guys, everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing in being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Hmm. There's no such thing as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, First thing, everything Nick Saban said there, I agree with. I think is sound in messaging and in principle. Uh, Young people especially who are given the opportunity, like playing football at Alabama, need to understand what your actions can do, which is why I argued, even though what he did was not criminal because he was not charged with a crime, Brandon Miller should have been punished to some degree by Alabama because he put himself at absolute best, and yes, I read the reporting from Tuscaloosa Patch, still put himself in a situation that could have ended poorly. At absolute best, he put himself in a scenario that had the possibility of ending in tragedy beyond the tragedy that actually did happen. Um, So, in principle, I agree with that. I wonder why that wasn't the case uh, a few years ago when Cam Robinson was, was arrested and did not miss any games for Alabama. Interesting difference in decision. I know not every situation is created equal. Not all arrests are created equal. However, the there's no such thing as the wrong place in the wrong time, kids need to be punished, is not something that happened a few years ago. That's beside the point. Nick Saban is a very intelligent person. There is absolutely no way, even after apparently an apology was issued, to Alabama basketball. There is absolutely no way at all that you can convince me that somebody as smart and measured as Nick Saban didn't stand behind that podium and say the phrase, there is no such thing as the wrong place in the wrong time because Nate Oates said Brandon Miller was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. There is no way you can convince me somebody with that level of intellect 
who is that good at the media, who is that measured, did not say that exact phrase for a very intended purpose. And that was to take a shot at his basketball coach. Nothing anybody could say could convince me that Nick Saban was not taking a shot at the basketball coach at the school that pays his $12 million salary or whatever it is. We know enough about Nick Saban. The man is very measured. He doesn't say anything. Everything he says is for effect. You know, when we talk about him sometimes where he's coaching through the media, where he's talking to people, to his own team through the media. Yeah, you're correct. And I know Alabama said just a coincidence, blah, blah, blah. No chance. No chance you're selling me on that one, just like you're no chance you're selling me on just about everything else that's come out of your mouth on uh, this Brandon Miller situation. Now, I'm, a, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I do have my own brain, and uh, it tells me that Nick Saban was very much... My guess is Saban is embarrassed about that. I want. I mean, is there any question in our minds, any question whatsoever, that if Brandon Miller was a football player, and this had happened to the Alabama football team, that he would have been suspended immediately? If this happened in season for Alabama football, he would have been suspended immediately. Because no one player is bigger than the process at Alabama for Nick Saban. So, yeah, if Brandon Miller played football, he would have been on the bench throughout this entire process. Probably may, may have even been... Suspend it through the rest of the season. No question in my mind that that's the case. No question. You don't think that if this was Bryce Young during Iron Bowl week, he still would have played? No. I, I honestly think that Nick Saban is the guy. I think Nick Saban would have been like... Yeah. Look, I think Nick Saban lets a lot go, right? Because he's a college football coach and he has to, right? Get caught with a little yeah. weed... Get called this. But when a murder is involved, I think Nick Saban would take that seriously enough to go, I can't allow this. Now, maybe that's because Nick Saban has however many national titles, six, seven at this point, and Nate Oates doesn't have any, and he would like to get one. You know, Nick Saban could be like, look, you know, it, it, we can't. We just can't. But Oates is like, I would like to win a national title. Yeah. And it's just different. I don't know. My question is why? I mean, you know, sometimes if somebody else, like, on your campus, under your the employment umbrella that, you, that you're under, does something that you don't agree with, you, you don't always say anything. I mean, this is the freedom of this company, right? I don't agree with everything Gallo says. Just because Paul Gallo sits on these same airwaves, or Gerard sits on these same airwaves and says things... That doesn't mean I agree with them, even if I don't like call them out. And same goes for them and me. It, just because I say something on these airwaves doesn't mean Paul Gallo, if he doesn't call me out, agrees with everything I say. It's just an understood deal here. I, I don't agree with everything he says, and he probably doesn't agree with everything I say, and we share airwaves, and it's great. And he's great at what he does, and I respect the heck out of him. But I don't agree with everything he says. Do I have to then, you know, get behind this microphone and say, "Hey, Gallo said this this morning. He's an idiot. Here's why," or or take right, like no. like, but you know, sometimes I make jokes about Gallo and marijuana, but I would never call him out behind this microphone ever. I would never do it, regardless of what he said, and he would never do it to me. So why did Nick Saban do it to Nate Oates? Did you just say uh, 
marijuana. <laughs> so uh, that's my question. Why? Why it, it? It almost kind of feels petty. And now it made me laugh honestly last night because he was reminding everybody uh, who the captain is in, in Alabama athletics, and that's that captain's Nick Saban. He's the boss around there, and, and don't don't you forget it. But th- there is a, a little bit of petty to that. Why are you why are you use why are you doing that to your basketball coach when they're playing in the NCAA tournament right now? What do you get out of that? If you're embarrassed with the way your school handled it, walk down the hall and tell Greg Byrne that you're embarrassed with the way he handled it. Instead of getting behind a microphone and taking a, a veiled pot shot at the guy. It's interesting, if nothing else. And this isn't the first time he's done something like that. Remember he did it to Jimbo behind a microphone? Yeah. Last offseason? What's he doing here? Don't know. I mean, it's just I I, I don't I, I I know that you, you know you you, you want to buy into the idea that that the Saban it's it's starting to crumble a little bit. I'm not I'm not that far along there. I think I think he's genuinely embarrassed by how the University of Alabama has acted here. He decided I got a, I got a chance to work in a jab here, and nobody's going to tell me anything. So, why not? Hey, hey Zach, um, I appreciate your message. I'm not going to read that on the air because it's it's gross. But uh, you have a great basketball team. Brandon Miller's a great player. Your coach embarrassed himself. And he should have suspended that player. And nothing you message to this show is going to get me to say otherwise. So we appreciate you, but, you know, no need for vulgarity on the text line. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. As you can imagine, a ton of texts have come in on the text line. We'll do our best to read a good bit of them anyway. Start with this one. What are the odds Saban literally has not heard the soundbite of Oates saying that dude seems disconnected from things besides his program? I I could be wrong. I would set those odds at 0% that he has not heard yeah, they're, that they're, and made aware of low. that. Very low. Very low. I mean, he's got... Hundreds of people that interact with him on a daily basis. And when the basketball coach on his campus says that, and it goes viral, if you will, he heard about it. Yeah, yeah he, he heard about it. There, there's no way he didn't. A lot of similar messages like this. Maybe he's making sure football players uh, know where he stands on the issue and that excuse won't fly for him. Another one, Saban's message could have been directed more to his football team and how they should act on oats. Um, if you wanted to send a message to your football team, you meet with them daily. Wouldn't you want to send the message there instead of using the media to take a shot at a basketball coach to send a message to your team? Knowing that the overwhelming majority of your team does not see what is said in press conferences? 
I don't know. I maybe again, maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. That doesn't strike me as it, when something like this happens, you send your message to the team in a team meeting and you lay out exactly how it will go down if it happens to your program. You probably bring a, a cop in to explain things and talk about laws and stuff like that. But if he wanted to send a message to his team, he gets all 85 of them in front of his face every day. Why would that message be there instead of veiled through the media? Spence says Saban's losing his grip. I will. See, he will stay too long at Alabama. Another message that was a good way to continue avoiding the subject of what happened to Ole Miss baseball last weekend. It, would you like us to talk about what happened to Mississippi State baseball last weekend as well? State fan on the text line that is claiming we're uh, avoiding talking about Ole Miss because if we're not talking no. about baseball, then we're also not talking about Mississippi State getting swept by Kentucky. What was the final score of Game 3? I'm having a hard time remembering. Hey, hey, there's no need for this. I didn't do anything to you. No, th- but this guy, though, chiming he in here talking. He could be an LSU fan. No, no look know. at previous messages. He's not. Well, we can circle back to that if you'd like. Neil says, if Brandon Miller played at Auburn, Bama fans will be throwing down about him being suspended. Also, Saban has no choice but to suspend the guy. I, I did cruise some Alabama message boards last night just to see how they were wrapping their brain into pretzels by defending Nate Oates and also defending Nick Saban, like trying to figure out how to how to wrap those two things together. And it feels like they're kind of out on Nick Saban. It was more energy directed against him as opposed to defending him, which is so funny because, as I say all the time, they're mad at him. They think he's lost it. They think he sucks all this stuff after they won 11 games. They won 11 games last year. And signed the number one recruiting class in college football. The reality that is going to right in the face of those people is going to be so much fun. I'm not making a daily segment of this show. When the new coach comes in and loses four games in his first year, just reading Alabama message boards. Ten minutes. Careful uh, what you wish for, as they say. Steve says, you guys said it. Saban is speaking to his team. They are responsible for their own decisions. CC says because they might win a national title and steal some of Saban's spotlight. It's that simple. Eh. Russell, an Auburn fan, says he's uh, becoming a curmudgeon and it happens in old age. I would, I, I, you know, this is one of those things where I somehow wish it could happen to Auburn just to watch everybody flip. What do you mean that guy's still playing? Roll Tide. <laughs> And the Auburn fans, he hasn't been convicted of anything. We get one message, I think Saban is right, you're overthinking this. Uh, No, I I agree. I think what he said was a good one. And maybe I am overthinking it, but he took a direct shot at the basketball coach on his campus. It can't be overlooked either. We will turn the page, though, uh, because we get this message, and it's a popular message, and uh, hate it, I'm just going to put it on a tee for you and, and let you have the floor here on this. Hunter and Matheson, what would Mississippi State's baseball season have to look like for Lamonis to be on a real hot seat? 
Just continue looking the way it has. Keep losing games. Finish Miss Hoover again, you know? Finish in the bottom two of the SEC. I personally don't think there would be any surviving that. And then people disagree with me. Teddy Cahill disagreed with me. And I get what he's saying about contracts, but this isn't a situation where the buyout is like Jimbo Fisher and you owe him, you know, $100 million, right? You might owe him, a, you know, three, four mil, which you've got. And I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think contract is going to be a reason to, to not make a change if it comes to that, you know. Now, granted, there's nine more weekends. 2017 state got swept to start the, uh, the season. 2018, I don't, I don't know if they got swept week one. I, I'm pretty sure they did week two when, and it was against Vanderbilt. That team ended up in Omaha. 20, uh, 2021, week two, they got swept by Arkansas in Starkville. And I'm top five matchup. Had to battle back from that. So, I mean, it happens. The problem is, like I said, it's coming back to last year. It's just been a trend. It's been four straight series. You've lost every game. You've lost 14 straight SEC games. That is a school record. That is that is something that's never occurred before in the history of Mississippi State baseball. So you've you've got to get that fixed, and you got to get it fixed quickly. And uh, you know, I just don't know what you're going to do because this is baseball, right? It's not like you can just say, "Hey, we got to make some changes offensively and defensively." I mean, hitting and pitching is is just it is what it is, right? You know, you can change. I, I talked to Chris Lewis yesterday about approach, and you know, approach is feels like this over all encompassing generic term for the way a team is playing. But I don't know how you change that. I don't know how you get guys to start thinking differently at this point. So they're in real trouble. You know, they have a, a, a Vanderbilt team that's obviously very good coming this weekend. Then next weekend it's uh it's South Carolina where I mean they're twenty and one. They lead the nation in home runs. At the very least, they're a, even if you want to say, okay, they played a terrible schedule to this point, that's fine. At the very least, they're a decent baseball team. That's the that's the floor for them right now, I feel. All they've got to do is find a way to win you know, 12, 13 more games, and they're going to go to the NCAA tournament. Where is Mississippi State in that pecking order? And then you have to go to Alabama, who is just going to be thir- – who should have won the series with Florida this weekend. They're going to be thirsty for, for wins. And then it gets, and then you got Ole Miss, and it just goes downhill from there. So, man, they are they are in they are in real trouble. They've got to get things turning around at this point, and I don't know that they can, to be honest with you. Brad, I don't mean to to be so dismissive, but Brad asks about candidates, and man, there's nah, no way. Man, I couldn't even begin to start. I know who. I mean, I know who some of the first couple guys I'd call, but you know, just, as far as a hot board, I can't do that. Like. I know the first guy I call would say no, because if you fire Dan McDonald's best friend, you're probably not going to get Dan McDonald. So that's just just scratch him off the list. If, I'm calling Cliff Godwin for sure. If um, it continues on I, this road, we're going to learn about Zach Selman and what he thinks yeah. about baseball. And well, but he's he's boss. what he thinks about baseball. He's he's smart. Well, he's also smart enough to know that hey, this is a big deal at this job, and I will not curry any favor if I let it, you know, f- you know, fritter away. Yeah. It, so it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be a tough decision. The guy won a national title two years. It's 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 one of the biggest falls I've ever seen. I, I thought when he won that national title that he was going to be the coach here for like the next fifteen twenty years. 
and was just going to go on and probably pick up a couple of more along the way and just state was finally, the lid was all off, and they were going to be this elite program. And instead, it has completely fallen apart to the point where, like, the joke is everybody who said they would do anything to win a national title, well, you, you found out. You found out what anything was. You should have been more specific in that deal you made with the devil or with God or whoever it was. Because look at this. This is brutal. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of season left. There's a lot of season left. We'll get to some of your messages when we come back on the C-SPART text line. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Talked to Teddy Cahill earlier. He... Uh, didn't seem to think that there's really anything that can happen this season. But if it goes the way of 2022, then next year will be a, a do or die for whatever that's worth to you. But we for appreciate sure. you hanging out uh, with us this afternoon. Again, 601-879-4395. Teddy, by the way, join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. A bunch of your messages came in on this. We're not going to spend a lot of time parsing through candidates for a job that is not anywhere close to being open at the moment. That's not the deal here. So we'll probably skip over those, but we'll get to some of yours when we come back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. We'll go back to the text line. Kind of an organic conversation that came up because of, honestly, the struggles of the last year and now a half of Mississippi State baseball. We get this message. I was worried Lamonis couldn't recruit SEC talent. He got lucky with the team he inherited. What do you think? Well, I mean... This last class was rated the number two class in the country, and I think you can look early on and see that you've got guys in Dakota Jordan, Ross Highfill, uh, Jorlangelo Sanjay, and Bradley Lofton that are going to be big-time contributors for Mississippi State. He also recruited Hunter Hines. Uh, you know, I think that I think I don't I think that that's a little. You know, we talked about recruiting today on uh, on today's Thunder and Lightning podcast and how. When you look at states' previous two recruiting classes, not this current one, not the, the the one that are the true freshmen right now, but the ones that should be your redshirt freshmen, sophomores, maybe your redshirt junior, you know, your true juniors, that should be the bulk of your lineup. And there's just there's just a lot of misses on there. Now, a lot of those guys were committed to Canizero, but you know, I think state did not do a great job of evaluating some of them. That they didn't progress. You know, these kids commit when they're in eighth grade. And they look like they're going to be great prospects. You got to keep tabs. You know, you got to look at them what they're doing as juniors and seniors and say, "Yeah, it's it's not developing. This you, know, you haven't progressed the way we want. We're going to have to go another way because you, you're filling up your class with guys. You know, they're just not on the roster anymore. And whether they were good enough to play at state or not, you signed them, and now you have you know you just got these big holes. I mean, Look at look at the, the the starting lineup, you know, for this this weekend for state, and I mean, it's it's highly likely that you're going to have true freshmen and transfers filling the whole thing up. So, 
Daniel says, did this state team win the national championship because of previously recruited talent from the previous coach or because of good coaching from the current coach? I understand the question. And there is truth to that. Like, Houston not won with Ed Orgeron's players. That that happened. However, there's a reason that it was Chris Limonis that won Mississippi State University Athletics' first team national championship. There's a reason that happened. It wasn't just because of players, because those players didn't win one before. Yeah. And and Bednar, who might have been the biggest key to all of that, is completely a Limonis recruit. I mean, he is the guy who got that done. Tanner Allen, obviously, is a Canizero recruit. Um, But, you know, State has had uber-talented teams for decades in baseball and could never get the job done. Chris Limonis gets full credit for winning that national championship. You know, the idea that he he, he walked into a great – I mean, lots of great coaches walk into great situations and don't win national championships. So Limonis gets full credit for that. He Obviously, he took advantage of some great players, but – John Cohen had had great players and never won a national title. Ron Polk had great players and never won a national title. So don't I don't I don't want to take that off his resume at all. Brad says we talked about it last year with Bianco and those guys got hired and Bianco got it done. Oh, he's talking about candidates and, and things of that nature. Um, right. Uh, well, and, and Mike Bianco did get it done. He did. Won a national championship. Mike Bianco also uh, has missed three NCAA tournaments since he was hired in 2001. He had never he has never won single-digit conference games before. So, th- th- this is a little bit different. It's worse, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Worse than at any point uh, under under Bianco. So I, this conversation is made more legitimate uh, for sure. Dwayne says, I think State's defense is the biggest problem. Do you agree, Haydad? <sighs> yeah, but walks is a close second. But I mean, state state just they give up free base runners and then they let those base runners advance because they can't play defense. Robbie Falk made a good point today. It's going to be on tomorrow's pockets. It feels like every time state makes a mistake, it costs them a run. They never they never make a mistake and then okay they get out of the inning. It's always costing them a run. David Ripley says maybe they should go on a darkness retreat for three days. <laughs> maybe. Uh, Chris wants to know what's up with Nixon not pitching. I mean, he's injured. He's obviously injured. Another message after last season and this one, I'll never take 2016 through 21 for granted. Another one, whenever you allow stolen bases, make errors, and allow walks, that's a coaching issue. Jack Walker last year was a top pitcher in the country, and he transferred out already. Yeah. No, this just isn't true. They won the championship because of COVID. No. Um, another one, if Lamonis gets to take full credit for winning the national championship, then he must also accept full blame for not even making it to Hoover the next year. In fairness, I don't, I don't think I ever heard Chris Lamonis once say, hey, guys, it was all me. I did this. Right. Um, but that's that's how it works, though. 
the, the coach gets the most credit for the wins and they get the most blame for the losses because they're the ones that are leading the program, commanding a seven-figure salary on top of leading the program. It's success and failure lies at their feet, always. That's how it is. Yep, 100%. 100%. And it's how it is. Interesting rumor we just got on the text line here about some IHL stuff. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Remind us if uh, if that does happen, and we'll give you full credit for uh, for being right. Jason asks if we're holding both teams to too high of a standard after both winning a championship. In fairness, I mean, Ole Miss lost. They got swept by Vanderbilt. That's real, but they were good in the non-conference. State last year was bad kind of right away. And injuries certainly helped that, but it started almost immediately. It doesn't feel the same for Ole Miss uh, weeks into the season following, if that makes sense. It doesn't feel the same. Correct. I think, are we holding them to higher standard? No. This is Mississippi State and Ole Miss baseball, the last two national champions. Two of the biggest programs in the country. No, you're not holding them too high. Especially if the standard right now is just get to Hoover for state. Your standard is don't finish last in the conference. No, you're not holding them to too high a standard to say that being in a regional should be the minimum accepted. Yeah, you didn't build that $70 million baseball season, uh, baseball stadium to sit empty in the postseason. It, it didn't. It, the the investment. It, and I, maybe you could argue that they're over invested, but the, the investment says that the, the guys in charge are going to be under heavier scrutiny. Now, a championship buys you time. I, I mean, I, again, Ole Miss got swept by Vanderbilt. A, a bad weekend. We'll see if they recover. Maybe it becomes a trend. I don't know. I haven't seen a single. Ole Miss fan or talk to a single Ole Miss fan that has said anything negative about Mike Bianco this year. Literally not one. I mean, winning a championship does buy you some grace, as it should, by the way. It should. Um, But these guys are going to be heavier scrutinized than even a Scott Berry because Southern Miss doesn't invest in baseball in the same level as Ole Miss and State. They're not going to be as scrutinized as... Or Mingione at Kentucky is not going to be as scrutinized as here because they don't invest at Kentucky the way they do here. They don't invest in Missouri the way they do here. Or Virginia Tech or other non-SEC programs. But when you're paying what you pay and you're investing what you invest, when you're one of the few, I would guess a dozen or less, that gives real NIL money to your baseball team, Real NIL money, not like a little bit here, a little bit there, like real money. This isn't acceptable. It's, it, it's the current state of Mississippi State baseball is not acceptable, and not a single person, yeah, agreed, should. Agreed. And you know the fire him now stuff is irrational, but the fans that are worried about the trajectory of their program are totally rational and clear minded when they have that thought. Totally. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. 
Jason says, are they really two of the best programs in the country? Honestly, I agree, but it's early, at least for the reps. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. They, prior to last year, had been to three straight college world series. They had made it, you know, they had been to five straight super regionals. Yes, they are. Mississippi State is 100% one of the top college baseball programs in the country, and so is Ole Miss. Yes, there is no question about that. 100% yes. 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll wrap it up with a few more of yours when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. A few more of your messages before we wrap up the show today. Brick and Tupelo says, one of Tommy Rappu's Arkansas State team run rules state prior to being inducted into the ring of honor. I'm going to be there for the ceremony anyway, but that's going to be awkward. I'm headed there as soon as we wrap up. Arkansas State's struggling. I think that's going to happen. Pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as usual. Brandon says, just like last year, we can't get too high or too low emotionally speaking about Ole Miss and Mississippi State baseball. Ask Ole Miss about the low point and where they ultimately finish. Then ask Tennessee the same question. Any given team can flip a switch real fast. Yeah, that's why this conversation is mostly focused on Mississippi State, though, because right. Ole Miss looked good in the non-conference. Uh, yeah. And and they, they did just win the championship. This is year two of falling off a cliff for State. It, it's not like this is just this few weeks stretch of bad play it's a year of bad play followed by this stretch of really bad play that would you say 14 consecutive conference losses yes do that in football i know it's different but still do that in basketball it's probably a better more apt comparison that's what makes this different yeah, i mean i, I i'm I mean, fourteen games is basically five. Five. It's five series, right? So if you call it each series a game for football, I mean, if, if Georgia lost five straight football games, what are we? What are we talking about? If Georgia next season loses five straight football games, people will lose their minds. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. That's about what Kermit did. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, baseball is the most difficult sport, somebody says, to maintain excellence. Reason why Texas, Rice, Oregon State, and South Carolina have been out of the picture the last 10 years. Going to find themselves in a fire Bianco situation like Ole Miss in 2022 prior to a championship. Hey, Dad replied and said Oregon State won the title in 18, and Texas yeah. has been to the last two College World Series. He replied. Yeah. Your point was championships, right? Literally just said State has been to the College World Series three times since 2018. Why shouldn't Texas fire their coach since he hasn't won it? That's not the conversation here. It's not the conversation at all. 
Texas under David Pierce has been to the College World Series three times in six seasons. All right, he's doing fine. Oregon State last year, last year lost in the Super Regional. They were 48 days. They won 48 games. State finished dead last in the SEC. They went 9-21. and 21. There is a difference. If you don't, if you don't, See the difference, then we, we, you and I can't have this conversation. There's a difference between, well, they're, they're getting close, but they're not winning the national title, and they finish dead last in the conference and look like they're going to do it again this year. So you can either, you know, be obstinate and try to tell me there's no difference, or you can just figure it out. So there you go. Spot on, though. The, I mean, it's just, just the truth. You're asking it to look like a competitive team. Yeah. Look look like you belong in the postseason, even if it's not. I, I said the before thing. the season that if this team was a, a number two or three seed in somebody else's regional, that's a that's fine. That's a good enough step back, and then next year you, you get ready to maybe jump back into the top half of the SEC into the hosting discussion. But you had to be back in postseason play this year. You can't go from national champion. Again, make the Georgia comparison. Georgia has won two straight national titles. But if Smart goes 4-8, four 4-8, and eight, four and eight, he's getting fired at the end of that second one. No questions asked. They're going to can him. They're going to move on. I mean, is there any question about that, that Georgia would do that? No. If Saban went 4-8, four 4-8, and, eight, four and eight, is he gone? He's gone. They wouldn't fire him, but they would tell him, we'll, tell we'll they pay your that buyout and you're going to resign yeah, and da- we're going to celebrate. If Dabo it. goes 4-8, four 4-8, and eight, four and eight, he is gone. He is fired. So either you're an elite program or you aren't. I'm surprised at the amount of excuses. And maybe it's just a I'm small not. sample size with our audience. I'm surprised that the be happy what you have. There are... I'm there are Mississippi that. State fans. There are Mississippi State fans that, like the MSU administration, could show up to their house, toilet paper it, kiss their wife on their on the mouth, and, and, and you know, spill chocolate pudding all over the carpet, and they'd be like, "Well, they know best." And Ole Miss, there's a, there's an Ole Miss fan of base portion of the fan base. Everybody has fans like that. Just like I will not say anything against the university, no matter how. Much they lose. There are, you know, it's it's like it's like 1984. Oh, Napoleon said it. He must be right. Yeah, that's every it's fan not base for Animal Farm. Animal Farm. Yeah, whatever. But you're right. That is that's every single one of them. They've got yeah. them. I, I had an Ole Miss fan send me an email asking why I wasn't being nicer to Kermit. I don't yeah. think we were mean. I just being frank about. The we didn't situation. talk about him. We talked more about Beard yeah. from the day he got from the day Kermit left to the day Beard got hired. We talked more about Beard in that like four week time span than we did about Kermit Davis the whole season. The whole season. Anyway, thank you guys so much for being a part. We'll see you tomorrow at three. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services a Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.